When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Situation Room. Welcome to the Situation Room. Welcome to the Situation Room. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Situation Room. I'm here with my co-host, Gabe Ferguson. He's at Gabe Fergie. I'm Jordan Coe at Raven Sit Room. You guys can find us on Twitter. We're super excited to be here after a week one Ravens win and a fun new start to how we're going to approach the situation room this year. Um, we're looking to do a, a, some quick hot takes right after the game, maybe looking at bringing on some guests on that, um, whether there's just some people around the games that we're watching. Um, I think a lot of you guys know that Gabe and I watch out here on the West Coast, so we're in L.A., and we're often watching with uh, big groups of Ravens fans, so um, getting their immediate takes after some of these games could be fun. Getting some guys like Ken Cusick, who many of you have heard us talk on his podcast, um, and others out there, uh, we're going to try and have some fun with it this year. We had some hot takes um, after week one uh, of this week, but we wanted to kind of go through, back through, um, now that we've had some time to review the tape and talk a little bit about uh, week one, and Gabe, you know, what, what jumped off of the page of you? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, it's great to come away with the win. We've won um, a little bit of a kind of a shaky start. I think that's something that was really apparent to everybody watching it. The the offense was definitely not in sync out of the gate. Um, I mean, everybody, I think, came out and said they were rusty. You know, it's it's just one of those things when you don't, when the quarterback's been sidelined for almost a year, you know, he obviously he didn't finish the season. I'm talking about Lamar Jackson, clearly. Um, so, you know, he was shaking off the rust, new system, new offensive coordinator, new off, new weapons on the, on offense in terms of wide receivers. Um, so it makes sense that, you know, it might take a few, a few, um, reps to kind of get things going. Um, so I think that's one thing. And then, and then obviously, you know, the injuries situation, I think is a clear thing that is a, is a major takeaway from that game. It's, I mean, the win is important, but some key players could be down for extended periods of time. So, um, obviously, J.K. Dobbins out for the season. Marcus Williams still being evaluated. We'll see if it's something that's going to have to be a surgery or if it could potentially be a shorter-term situation if he, if he can just heal up. Um, Stanley and Linderbaum both listed as week-to-week. They might, they're might they probably not going to play this week in, in Cincinnati. Um, you know, Hopefully, those are both relatively short-term in, injuries. Um, none of them, aside from Dobbins, I don't think have been placed on IR. I'm not sure if he, he's even been placed on IR yet. So I think that's a good thing. You know, they, they think that there's potential to get them back sooner rather than later. So, um, I mean, th- those are the two big takeaways I had. Um, I don't know. What about, what about you, Jordan? What are some things that you, you, you saw? Yeah, I mean, you're definitely right about the injuries playing a part. And it's just a wait-and-see game. It's too bad to see these injuries popping up for the Ravens over and over and over again. It sucks to see some of these guys that were consistently healthy. I mean, I know Ronnie Stanley always had a few health question marks around him, but he was never missing time like he has before he signed that big contract. J.K. didn't miss time when he played at Ohio State. Um, Marcus Williams didn't miss any time uh, before he made his way over to the Ravens as well. So, um Frustrating to see, um, but you hope some of these guys come back. We did not see IR trips for Marcus Williams, Linderbaum, and Ronnie Stanley. And so hopefully that bodes well for the Ravens' thoughts on on where they think those guys can land. Um, I, I agree with you. I don't think we're going to see them this week. But you know what? Another another year, another Cincinnati game where they're fully healthy and the Ravens aren't. And, it, you know, we can analyze it to death. It is what it is. Um, but you just want these guys to get healthy. You want them to get a chance to play um you know have have successful careers you know and i'd say that for any player on any team it's just disappointing to see guys kind of come out and get hurt right out of the gate um but i think you're right you know we saw a sluggish team to start overall here for the ravens and you know i think as i was thinking about it um you know we didn't see lamar get into the huddle and take play calls um from todd munkin and with the rest of the team in true genuine live reps and I think that that can't be, I, I think that can't be simulated. That's not something that you're ever going to have the feel for. 
you know, I think when you go into practices, I think it's a little bit more clear what's going to be happening or if things get messed up, it's not as under the spotlight um, and all that. And so I thought that things got cleaned up really well in the second half, but they look rusty in the first half. Um, the pass protection seemed like they weren't all synced up on the line. There are a couple plays where guys were running routes into the same locations in the first half. Quite frankly, a lot of that got cleaned up in the second half. And so I think that we're just, you know, and, and look, we're not – we're not here talking about anything different than everybody else is talking about, because at the end of the day, this was a big Ravens win. It was a clear, it was a decisive win overall. There was a lot left on the table on, especially on the offensive side of the ball um, to be a better team. And if the Ravens can capitalize on that, um, I think they can go a really long way. And, you know, Gabe, I think you and I both agree. A lot of that starts with 11 personnel. um, And we saw a lot more 11 personnel this week. Yeah, I mean, that was something that we, we've we kind of been harping on for probably the past couple of seasons in the Greg Roman offense, like his tendency to use, you know, heavy personnel. I mean, especially last year, it was, it was almost a joke how much they ran, um, you know, 12, 22, 23, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it was tight ends and fullbacks and um, the wide receivers, partially because, you know, there's a lot of injuries and the talent in that position was not the best, but also just like the the kind of idea of needing to have a lot of big bodies on the field in order to have the run game work and then to try and you know you know at, at times then hit explosive plays over the top because of that because of you know allowing to maybe get some mismatches and get some play action going like i understand that and i think there's a, a place for that and then every nfl offense but like the extent to which it was used i think it, pretty much everybody was like, on board with saying this is this is too much we need a different idea as to where this offense is going to go um enter todd munkin and we see that immediately um you know patrick ricard snap numbers i think you know he probably had the lowest snap numbers he's had in you know three years um he was you know i think he was fairly effective in times when he was on the field um but when they were at their best was when they were in 11 personnel and you have, you know, three wide receivers, you're spreading things out, you're getting guys in space. Um, I think that's kind of one of the major keys that we saw in offense was utilizing space, using, utilizing horizontal and vertical space in the field and not restricting it to, you know, just kind of this like compressed formation. So that's a huge thing. And, and that kind of leads into, you know, the, the new weapons that we saw at wide receiver. And we think we saw some impact from both Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham. Um, you know, obviously Zay Flowers was kind of the big takeaway in terms of like his immediate impact on the field as a rookie, um, explosive, you know, the ability to make guys miss in space, um, take take a quick, you know, like screen pass and take it 20 yards of field. You know, all those things are exciting. And we saw him get open downfield too. You know, he's not just a guy who can do, get you yard after the catch, even though that was a big part of what we saw in this game. Um, so that's very exciting moving forward. Odo Beckham, he had a really big impact in this game, even though it wasn't, um, you know, a lot of box score numbers, you know, we only caught two passes, but they're both third down passes. Um, one of them was a nice play downfield with a very impressive, like over the shoulder catch. Um, we also drew two key DPIs in the game. So I think, you know, the impact of those new offensive weapons was a question going into the season, how big of an impact would they had? And I think we saw that right away. So those two things to me were really nice to see. And I think it's something that the team can build on moving forward. Yeah, I mean, we definitely, and even half of Ricard snaps were in line at tight end. So, you know, obviously that fullback role is being reduced to obvious running situations when you want the fullback in 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 those kind of scenarios. I, I, I thought Ricard played quite well as kind of that inline blocking tight end as well. They used that in the second half effectively um, to help shore up some things on the offensive line as well um, where they needed to, and it worked. But yeah, I, I mean, Flowers and Beckham made an impact. And that was all the while that we got nothing out of the tight end position in this game. Isaiah Likely and Charlie Kolar did not look good. Kolar had the drop. Likely did not look I, – I, I don't know. He, there was, he was just not intended to ever be a part of the game plan or he wasn't open. Um, he wasn't elusive on the one catch early that he had, and it didn't look like he had the explosion that you might want to see from him in some of those scenarios and that we've seen from him in those scenarios. So um, the Ravens can't – welcome back Mark Andrews fast enough. And you want to know what's going to happen when Mark Andrews is in the middle of that field, gravitating everybody in towards him and then letting receivers like Beckham and flowers do the things that you were just talking about. Um, I think that it's going to make a big impact on the flow of the offense, what they want to do. It's obvious. It's, it's almost, 
I think that the the loss of Travis Kelsey for the Chiefs in Week One was a bigger impact because it was late in the week after they already had game plan game plan and thought they had him, and there was a chance the Ravens knew Andrews wasn't going to play. But I would say Mark Andrews has as big of an impact on this offense as Travis Kelsey has on the Kansas City offense, and so I think some of the sluggishness is kind of Lamar's safety net that he's used to going in those some of those situations. There are probably three or four plays where he was either bailing himself out or his preferred first read wasn't there on uh, wasn't there in the process and he's got to get that figured out so um but they looked a lot better overall i thought as the game progressed on i think that you know when you look at the scheme that the texans brought it seemed like they brought a lot of matchup zones so they showed zone looks and then the, those guys broke into broke into man coverages early and that really seemed to confuse the ravens early combined with the pass rush getting to lamar early it, it kind of gave them fits and then the Ravens figured it out and they used spacing and they used the eyes on Lamar to kind of get some of those guys into the corners. That's where they got the throw to Beckham. That's where they got the throw to Flowers. Um, I think overall they looked a lot better throwing against zone because they were using spacing to take advantage of some of that. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see in terms of what they what their approach continues to look like here. But I think I think we're going to see a much improved passing game over time here. And the J.K. Dobbins injury looms large over whether or not the Ravens continue to run the ball at the clip that they did. I mean, we saw over, I think over 60% of the plays for the Ravens in this game were runs. Um, and obviously some of those aren't designed runs because of Lamar. Uh, but, you know, are we going to finally start to see the shift where I, I would almost rather see this team passing about 60% of the time. Teams are constantly watching for the run game, constantly watching for that options from Lamar, constantly watching and waiting for Lamar to run the ball. I'm not hesitating to open it up a little bit and throw the ball um, and and take advantage of teams doing that. Yeah, I, I think um, this game was a little maybe a bit of an outlier because of the you know the kind of second half dominance the Ravens had. You know, they they got to a was like a three score lead pretty quick. Um, and, and and like you said, I think your point was well taken. It, they they figured some things out in the second half. It, it was some protection things that, that they worked out, I think. Um, and then also just like f finding some ways to attack um, the defense that the Texans were, were showing. Um, and we saw some really good um, downfield passes from Lamar, um, some open receivers. So I, I do think, you know, that kind of led to um, the Ravens trying to lean on that running game in the second half. Um, but, you know, in years past when the Ravens have been in that situation, the, the, the rushing really kind of dominated, you know, you kind of had um, this ability just to like put teams away on, on long drives where they were able to string together, you know, first down after first down, just grinding teams down. And we didn't see that really in the second half of this game when they were up several scores. Um, the, the running game was kind of on the struggle bus a little bit, I would say, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to take anything away from Gus Edwards. I think he did as good as he could in, in that situation. The, the block, I don't think the run blocking was great. Um, so that's something I think they're going to need to work on. You know, that's kind of where you do miss a Greg Roman who has, you know, I think some really kind of pretty really good run schemes in terms of what he can do as a, as a run game coordinator. I think that's probably where he has his best moments um, and just some you know, creativity and, you know, different looks and in, in the way the offensive line is blocking and, and, and the way that, you know, some of these, you know, tight ends and fullbacks are used. Um, so I think, you know, I don't know if the Ravens can pull some of those things from the previous playbooks and kind of integrate that as well in, in these situations. But it's something that I'm going to be monitoring to see how that how the run game looks moving forward. Um, because in order to put teams away and really kind of, you know, take advantage of some of the potential early leads they get in games, they need to be able to run the ball. Um, and I think whether that's running the ball out of spread formations and, and utilizing space better or, or figuring out a, a better way to use some of the heavier personnel, I think that's kind of one of the things I'm going to be looking for, but in all that, that's my biggest complaint about, about the Ravens offense, you know, that, and obviously I think the turnovers were and penalties were a problem too. And I, I don't think we have to like talk about that for too much, but you know, clean some of those things, easy things up. I, th I think this offense has a chance to be really, really good this year. Yeah, it was, you know, it was definitely frustrating to not see what's been a typical run game be better. And I think the, the spot I would isolate that down in particular was the the idea that 
they had light boxes that they were up against and they couldn't find some consistent success against those light boxes. They're going to need to go back to the tape and take a look at why those things didn't work and get those straightened out. Um, Cause there were definitely six man fronts. You know, my interpretation of what that's coming from is that everybody's still cheating to Lamar. So they're still worried about the play action pass and they're still worried about what's going to be coming from that. And as a result, teams are cheating towards Lamar. And so even if it's an eight or sorry, even if it's a six man box, it's really like it's really like eight guys kind of creeping around and, and keeping a keeping an eye on what's going on in that regard. And that ma- makes it a lot more difficult. Um, it makes it a lot more difficult to run the ball when those guys are cheating in there. And it makes it more difficult for Lamar to be successful, too. And so I think, you know, we've got to we do have to see improvement there. I also think that we will just kind of naturally see um, some improvement there overall. Uh, as as these weeks go on, Gus Edwards is a talent. We already saw him have a couple good runs in this game, um, you know. So I think it's just a matter of time for them to be able to kind of really work out some of those kinks. But um, alternately, the defense did not have any of these problems. I mean, the, you mentioned penalties. I think there were penalty issues for the Ravens as a unit across the board. But this defense lived up to the expectations that we thought they might be capable of this year. Um, And I'm really excited to see against kind of better defenses or sorry, better offenses where we think that this defense is going to potentially go. Yeah, I, I, um, I completely agree. I think, you know, like you said, it's, it's it's not maybe the best measuring stick against, against a rookie quarterback in his first start on the road against what I think is a very talented defense. Um, you, you mentioned, you know, the penalties. Um, I think the defense could have been even more dominant if without some of the dumb penalties that kind of extended some of the, the drives for the for the Texans. So if you can clean up some of those things, then I, I think, you know, there's a chance to even be, be better. But it, it was a really strong performance from the defense across the board. You know, I thought they looked good in coverage. Um, the pass rush was good. Um, I wouldn't say it was elite, but it was it was better than what I, I think a lot of people thought it might have been. I think, you know, we saw good stuff out of out of Oway. We saw good stuff out of Clowney. You know, David Ajabo had a strip sack. We saw a lot of contributions across the board from linebackers and secondary players. Um, so I'm I'm pretty excited for for what this defense can do. You know, the run defense was very solid. The the, the big bodies up front, they did their job. So um, there, there's not really too many negatives I think you can take away from that side of the ball, aside from maybe, you know, the penalties. That's, that's definitely something that you don't want to get rid of. But Overall, that that's exactly what you know. I think the Ravens' defense should have done to to a team that doesn't necessarily have the best talent on offense. You know, they had some backups in at along the offensive line, like I said, rookie quarterback. But all that said, um, it was still a very strong performance. So that's definitely something to build on. And if you can, you know, have an offense that's as good as what we think this offense can be, and a defense that's playing at that level. Um, they're going to be a tough team to beat, and I think that's um, something that is is going to be um, what potentially leads this team to one, one of the you know top seeds in the AFC is is having that solid performance on both sides of the ball. Well, and I think the Ravens put to bed some of the simulated pressures that they they have in the playbook in after the first quarter of this game. It, it was clear that they could get after Stroud if they wanted to, and if they got into a situation where they needed to. And so they were just going to make him beat them and make him make tough throws. And to CJ Stroud's credit, uh, he didn't make some really terrible throws. Uh, He didn't make bad reads, throwing against a lot of zone. Um, He wasn't completely accurate all the time, but he didn't make any major mistakes. Um, And, you know, I'm pretty happy about that. I'm happy about the first-round rookies if – you know, on this Houston team and what I got from Will Anderson and what I got from CJ Stroud. Uh, but the Ravens clearly took the gas off the pedal on defense and just decided they were going to let their rush guys rush. Um, and they were going to let everybody, the, the other seven guys drop back in coverage and work together. Um, and CJ Stroud took the easy throws that were in front of him. Um, the I, I like that model that Ravens are going to have to have drives where they're going to let the other team try and pick them apart over the course of the field. And then once they get down into the red zone, tighten it up. Um, and I think that's, I think we're going to continue to see similar things. Obviously you're going to see talent levels go up. You know, you don't want to let Joe Burrow get inside the 10 yard line consistently when you got a guy like Jamar chase, that can take advantage of it. But even that being said, you know, the bend don't break mentality is one that's long been around in Baltimore since the GMPs era. Um, and I think, I think we're going to continue to see more of it and you've got the right players and combinations 
Um, Ajabo coming free for a strip sack again. Maybe maybe these live games are are what really get him juiced, and and that's what we're going to need to see from him. Ajabo looked good. Matabike, other than the penalties, also looked good. Um, you know, Travis Jones also, other than the penalty, also looked good. So you clean up those penalties like we talked about, and uh, there's a real formula here for this team to be good. And I, I think at the end of the day, um, we all probably weren't terribly thrilled with the outcome of this game, particularly because it was 7-6 to six, um, at halftime because it felt like it should have been a bigger stretch than that. They had the two turnovers and the one fumble that could have also been a turnover overall, and that doesn't leave a great taste in your mouth. Um, but anytime an NFL team wins by 16 points, um, that that's nothing to sneeze at. And this team was one l- bad Lamar in- interception away from having 28 points and probably a few other plays more away from being at like 35 or 38. Um, and that's just how the way how football sometimes goes that these big plays have to break the way that you want them to break. And, and they didn't. And when they don't break for you and you still win by 16, um, that's a pretty good outcome for a team um, at home to get started. You don't want to see the injuries and you'd love to be a little bit more healthy going into week two, but um, with a brand new offensive coordinator with a team that hadn't played yet in the preseason together on offensive line and on offense or defense at all. um, I'm walking away from this week feeling pretty good. And, you know, you look around the rest of the league and you see some, you, you saw some miserable performances, you know, and I know we'll talk about Cincinnati specifically later um, but the Giants, I, I mean, there were the Bills, good Lord. Um, there were, and even Kansas City, even though, um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a total failure on their part. There was a lot of rustiness around the league in week one, and the Ravens avoided doing something silly and having that win stolen away from them. And are, if you consider that the other, you know, that Buffalo and Kansas City both took losses, that's huge in kind of the pecking order of the Ravens picking off a game early in the season to have a little comfort about that and Cincinnati too. Yep. Yep. That's a great point. Um, definitely a lot of teams did not perform up to expectation in week one. Um, the Ravens t- clearly didn't play their best game and they still won handedly. So I think that's definitely a positive. There's only, I, I don't want to say there's only room to go up from here, but um, it's, I mean, not many games where you have two turnovers and you know have 100 plus yards and penalty and still dominate a game the way you just did so it's it's impressive from that um standpoint and like i said before clean up the things you can clean up get the penalties out remove the unforced errors on leading turnovers um and and you are going to be in better shape to win even more dominant fashion against some of the better teams in the league um so i think um, we can move on now to kind of go into the fun thing that that we wanted to do with this podcast this year where we're revisiting some of the takes that we had immediately following the game um so let's start with uh jordan's first take which he thinks is a really hot take i don't think it's that much of a hot take but he came out the gate firing and saying that um Owe is going to be a pro bowler this year and you know he, he struggled a little bit in the past two seasons so maybe that is a big leap um Jordan, why don't you take it? What do, what do you think after watching the film? Do you still do you still feel that way? Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. I, I mean, I, let's give a little context to what the AFC pass wrestling situation looks like as well. So when you're talking about a, a Pro Bowl roster that Miles Garrett and TJ Watt are essential locks on being Pro Bowlers at the edge position, um, you've got Bosa down in San Diego, or I guess not here in LA now. <laughs> still not convinced that they actually moved. Um, you, you've got three upper tier pass rushers right there, along with anybody else that you want to throw into that mix. I think that that, so that raises the bar. So I'm not saying that Anafe Owe is going to play at a pro bowl level this year. I'm saying that he's going to be a pro bowler. And if that's going to happen, then we're going to need to see impact plays from him. Splash plays happen on the field. And it's not just going to have to be kind of a watched performance overall that's improved but it's going to have to show up on the stat sheet. And I think the Ravens are going to need it to show up on the stat sheet when it comes down to it in those situations. And so, um, you know, I'd say that what we saw on tape showed all the parts. I mean, OA starting to show some quickness off the line, showed a couple different types of moves. We saw some bend from him. He was in and around the ball consistently. I think one of the things that I really liked is that he wasn't overcommitting on plays. I think it always felt like OA was really close. And if you felt like he was close, you could do something kind of a little crazy and he would blow by you. Um, And he seemed to be playing with a bit more control. 
people. Um, and it looks like the Ravens are going to let him be the guy that's going to be their primary pass rusher in that sense. And that they're, you know, maybe move him around and try and find ways to isolate him and, and use him in that way. And so we're going to need to see him convert some of these plays though, into sacks. You know, he had a couple that were close. Uh, the Ravens had a few different players that were real close on sacks, but they're going to have to convert them um, and do so at a meeting. You know, I, I think it's going to be a struggle for any edge rusher to make the pro bowl with less than let's say nine sacks. Um, and so that means that OA is going to have to start to convert some of these. And so there's still, there's still, he's laid the foundation, but there's still work to be done for sure. Yeah. I, I think, you know, that's a good point. The AFC is pretty stacked um, in talent, pass rusher included. Um, I think, I think probably double digit sacks is, is what you need to, to be at that level of, of getting the pro bowl nod. Um, especially if it doesn't help if, if the team is like, really dominant on that side of the ball as well. So I think that that'll go a long way towards it. Um, just from week one, I think he was credited with seven pressures by PFF. Um, and I think that's legit number. I mean, he was, he was really good at getting after the quarterback and, and I agree, you know, he's going to have to convert some of those into um, quarterback hits. And, and he did have a couple of those, I think too, and, and sacks in order to get that nod. But I, I think that talent is there. And I think he showed a little bit more, um, the ability to be in control on field. And I think, I think last time he was kind of like looking a little bit lost. I don't think he had a plan always as to how to, um, to get after the passer or he had some physical ability that would get him there, but he didn't know how to finish. Um, and I think we're, we might actually see that all come together for him this year. You know, um, he still has another veteran presence on the other side of him and Jadavion Clowney, who I think, you know, you mentioned he, he, he just missed a couple sacks and I think, those two combined are definitely going to be um, a problem for, for opposing offenses this year. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see it for OA. We really needed someone to take that step. You know, I think, you know, there was a thought maybe it's a job, you know, coming into his second season for a healthy season, he might be the guy. I think OA is heads and shoulders above a job at this point. I, I think he is definitely the lead guy on this team and, uh, he's going to have to be like the tone setter in terms of getting after the quarterback this year. Um, ob obviously McDan McDonald is someone who likes to blitz and, and show different packages. And that's something that we saw this, this week as well. So all the sacks aren't going to come from the outside linebackers. You're going to get it a lot from the linebacking group and from, and from secondary as well. But I, I would be surprised if Owe doesn't at the end of the season lead, lead the league or lead the team in sacks. I, I doubt he leads the league. If he did, that would be really exceptional. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think you're, your take has a, has a lot of potential in it. And I'm, I'm going to say that after rewatching uh, re it, it definitely um, showed up to be accurate. All right. Well, Gabe, your first take was, I don't know, not quite so hot that it was that Lamar could have been better. Um, <laughs> and I think if, if that's the standard, um, we definitely, we definitely saw a game from Lamar that he probably wished he had back. Uh, but you know, when you rewatched it, what'd you see? So, so I think I actually came out and say that he had a bad game and, um, and I might have even said it was one of his worst games as Raven. And, and after you watch this, I, I, I think that's revision. We'll have to go back. It. We'll have to go sure back. If to I, the tape. That, but I, if, if I don't think you said that. that. I think I was thinking <laughs> it. And I wanted to kind of modulate myself at the time. Um, you got a man up on these takes game. He, he, he was better on rewatch than I thought. I, I was kind of caught up in the turnovers and turnover worthy plays. Um, I thought there were a couple of them were really bad and just unneeded. Um, and that 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 kind of bothered me. I, th I thought he was a little um, kind of frenetic in the pocket at times, and, and I think he just kind of felt some of that rush, especially from the from the first half, and it kind of carried over a little bit. But in the second half, he he calmed down a lot. Um, he was was more poised in the pocket, more decisive, and and kind of like um, his reads and like making you know really accurate throws downfield. So I, I think. Um, while you know, if you look at like ESPN's QBR, he didn't have a great game, but you know, some other objective passing metrics kind of gave him kind of like average, above average game marks. I think that's fair. Um, one thing that I wanted to, to take note about and, and kind of bring up as a point of discussion was the average depth of target, which was really low. I think it was one of his lowest marks as, as a Raven. It's under five yards. Um, and normally he's like around like nine, 10 and, and years past. So like that is a pretty significant shift um, in terms of where they're putting, you know, where they're targeting receivers. Um, 
I know there were a couple of like pass interferences downfield that's that what brings down the depth of target. Those aren't considered. Um, but he was peppering, you know, especially say flowers really around the line of scrimmage with a, with a bunch of targets. Um, do we think that was just him like trying to get the ball out quick, trying to like work into this new offense, get a feel, get his ball to the playmaker? Or do you think that's something that we're going to be seeing a lot more of this year? I, that's, that's the ultimate question. It, there, there's a very real question of how much gamemanship was going on by Baltimore in this game about what they knew potentially could be coming from Cincinnati and how they wanted to deal and handle with that accordingly. And I think, I think there was a fair amount of that that was going on. I think that the Ravens were holding back. They were trying to put certain things on tape. I think that, you know, yes, Zay Flowers is clearly maybe – I think he's clearly the best wide receiver on the team already, but um, I don't think they're going to force feed him like that every single game. I think they want Cincinnati to overreact to it. I think they're going to set them up early in the game in, in, in Cincinnati, and they're going to fake some of these things to him, and they're going to go over the top. They're going to use a guy like Duvernay. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details to do that after he didn't play at all really um, from an offensive standpoint um, in week one. I think there are going to be some turn of hand things that happened um, overall as a result of that. And so I think some of that pulls down what Lamar was doing. I think they were also trying to get him comfortable, but you know, you look at the offensive pass or the defensive pass interference calls, you know, those are essentially like yardage added to passing rates overall. Um, When you take away the, the, the interception was bad and stupid and inexcusable um in a lot of ways but you take that one away um and i can i can very much live with lamar's performance and would certainly certainly in the bottom third of his performances but it's probably not even in the bottom 10 of his performances overall once once everything kind of worked itself out in this game a lot of that was the second half though when that average target really started to go up you know we saw the deep out route from zay flowers that's that is going to be a weapon for this Ravens team. And if he can run that out route that way and he can reverse that into the post and they find different ways to utilize both of those, you know, I thought Odell looked a little rusty coming out as well. Um, I, I have some concerns about his ability to potentially separate as a result from that. Uh, but Bateman looked great. I, I mean, I think this Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman combo into the future of this team could be a very, very real and dangerous one with Lamar once you add Mark Andrews into that mix. And so, um, you know, I, I'm a I'm an admitted Lamar apologist and lover. Um, and so certainly I'm willing to give him more benefit of the doubt than I think some other people are. But um, it could have been better in this game, but certainly was more than good enough to win. And 25 points overall is kind of right in line with, some of the best in the league. I mean, if, if, if Lamar's going to be the, the quarterback to your team that's going to score 25 points a game, um, you got to feel pretty good about the Ravens' chances to win 10, 11-plus games. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And and a couple just added points of context to what you said. Um, so the like the kind of the deep out to the flowers, I think it was like a 20-yard pass downfield. It was, it was really a thing of beauty. It was, it was off play action. You know, had Zay Flowers isolated, and his speed is 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 apparent. You know, he ate up the cushion on the cornerback. Um, he really, I mean, Lamar put the ball out there right on the money, and and, and Flowers was open for it easily. Um, there was another play. It was actually the play where um, Kolar dropped the ball. It was kind of like a, a naked boot, or maybe it wasn't a naked boot, but it, it was boot, boot action. Um, he actually had Zay Flowers on like a deep, um, like fly route, and he had his man beat by a couple of steps. Um, 
Colart was wide open. I think that's why you know, Lamar chose to kind of go after the easy, like 10, 10, 15 yards there. Obviously, unfortunate, Colart dropped the ball, hit him right in the hands. Um, but I think, you know, that's also a look you can you can hit the deep guy um, because he basically split, um, you know, too deep coverage and, and he had it wide open. So Flowers has that ability to get deep. He has, you know, very, very good speed. Um, and, and then Bateman, you know, he was, I think, being worked back into, you know, the playing shape a little bit. He missed a lot of training camp with the foot injury. Um, I'm not going to like write off like his role in the offense because I think he had like three targets, two catches. Um, but he, you know, he looked effective when when he was targeted. He had a couple of nice catches, got open in the middle of the field a couple of times. I, th- I think there's going to be a, a big role for him in this offense coming forward. I, I do think that Flowers is probably the most talented receiver. I think I think you know between Andrews and Beckham, those are both good targets on third down and and can kind of be chain movers for you. Um, Bateman, I think, is a little bit of a wild card. What we'll get from him this year, but he has the opportunity to also be a, a producer for them. So I'm just excited about you know this this group of weapons they have, and I think Lamar is going to you know be really good um, and in week two and on. And not that he was bad in week one, but I think that you, there's a lot of room to move forward and and, and get better from that game. Yeah, I, I totally agree. But the number one thing that's going to have to improve for Lamar's performance was my second take. And so, you know, it was that this team will not go deep in the playoffs if the Ravens cannot figure out how to handle these heavy rush blitz, cover zero looks, like six, seven-man rush looks. Like, it doesn't always have to be cover zero. Um, but this the, this offensive line cannot seem to get it together in those situations. I don't know if it's the offensive line. Well, it's not just the offensive line, right? Because sometimes these are unbalanced and like guys are going to come free in those situations. You've got to be ready for it. And the Ravens don't seem to have the checks. They don't seem to have the preparation. they, They don't seem to have the calls. I mean, one of them was Lamar had two receivers out to his right. Both defenders were eight yards off those receivers because they didn't want to run them right by him when they showed Petrie coming in on the blitz. And as soon as Petrie comes in on the blitz, one of those receivers has to stop. Like So Lamar has an opportunity to throw him the ball. There has to be a hand check signal, a recognition by the receiver to do that. There has to be embedded into these play calls. They've got to, they've got to design some of these plays that if they're going to see some of these looks that they can check into them or when there are these simulated looks that the offensive line is ready to pick them up. Now, D'Amico Ryans is a really good coach. This, this Texans defense came out to play. Um, I think they're going to, I think that this defense for the Texans is going to surprise some teams this year, the way they isolated Will Anderson into the spots that they needed him to be the way they use unbalanced kind of like defensive lines where they'd have three guys, you know, over the center guard and tackle and one guy far off on the wide nine. Sometimes Anderson was the far off guy. Sometimes he was the guy on the edge. They seemed to have a really good sense of what they were trying to do and what they wanted to do behind him. Um, the defense was really disciplined against Lamar overall. They they certainly had their eyes on him and engaged on him in the entirety of that game. Um, and so it is completely up to the offensive line protecting Lamar better to improve some of this, but then two, to scheme out some of these issues because this has been a problem ever since that Miami game on that horrendous Thursday night. That, that whatever that was, that that was that was one of the worst games. I don't know what it is about some of these Ravens Thursday night games. It was one of the worst performances. The Jacksonville won many, many, many years ago. Also, <laughs> oh, oh, they just stick in your head. Um, <laughs> but that Miami game continues to haunt them. That the teams have adjusted and they have that in their playbook. And teams don't have to run it like Miami did 60 times. I don't think it was 60, but I think it was like 35 plus in that game. And, and Miami dominated because of that. But if you if you need four key third down stops and yep. you can break out this play and you can get stops on all four of them, it's going to be very hard for Baltimore to win games against teams that have a good quarterback on the other side. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's a great point. And it, it definitely um, showed its ugly head a few times in this game. You know, I, I think it was a few times where I want to say I counted three or four times where uh, the Texans basically brought seven and the Ravens had six blockers. So there's, there's someone who's just unblocked um, and, or maybe, or maybe even they like feign seven or eight and drop a couple into coverage, but still had it schemed up so that there was someone basically coming free. Uh, There was going to be an unblocked defender um, and the Ravens didn't have an answer for that. You know, you mentioned just having a hot route, having a check to have someone run that hot route. 
um, that needs to be a part of their offensive game plan to have that in there anytime they see you know teams bluffing um, to, to show that type of look um, and e- even if they are bluffing it like you need to have the ability to at least check into a hot route if it's there um, I think in the second half they kind of combated it without by, by keeping a couple of players extra in we saw a little bit more Ricard and pass protection and kind of those third down situations I think he's they think he's probably their best like pass blocker um, without Andrews um, without someone like Josh Oliver on the team anymore I think they trust Ricard as, as an additional blocker um, so that's good to see him you know have that role as someone who can be you know an, an option to to at least you know provide some protection for Lamar um, and I think you're just gonna have to figure out you know the best way of figuring that out moving forward um, I think um, just having a running back in there to protect that's not going to be enough um, so either you need to have someone who's kind of leaking out that's a quick check down or you need to have someone who can block pretty well and that might might have to be Ricard or, or someone I mean maybe you can get Kolar to kind of develop into that guy because I don't I don't I don't know if Isaiah likely is that much of a pass blocker at this point but maybe he could be it either but regardless they need to they need to figure that out if they if they really want to be successful because teams will see that as a weakness and continue to do it all right last hot take that I had um was that uh, Justice Hill is going to be the running back one moving forward, um, and, and that he's kind of the most talented running back left on the roster, and that he's the best. Yeah. Whatever happened, whatever like gets messed up with your computer is happening again right now. Check your phone. Maybe it was the other audio that was also coming in. And is it still muted? I have it now. That's better. I don't know what happened. It, it just like it like it went crazy. Yeah. All right. We'll um we'll pick up. So, that. Yeah, it was like right around thirty nine. I think. Um, let me try and think of what you were saying. Justice Hill, best. Yeah, just as, as running back one, and kind of going into what his role in the offense was. All right, I'm gonna start. Okay, so. Justice Hill, I think he looked solid. Um, he obviously converted on both goal line attempts. That's you know something that you want to have from someone who's going to be your running back in this offense. So I think that's a positive thing. He didn't have a ton of work afterwards in the second half because the Ravens were up by quite a bit. So the ball kind of went to Gus Edwards, who I think is probably a better closer in that role. But in terms of like the normal flow of the offense and normal like situations where you're not up two or three scores. Um, I expect Justice Hill to be like the main running back. I think he's more of a threat in the passing game. Um, you know, he he's solid in pass protection. It's probably not his best best role, but I think he's uh, definitely a better pass catcher than, than what Gus Edwards offers. And I think he's just more explosive and shiftier and, uh, and able to like kind of take advantage of the space that I think this offense is going to provide. So um, I'm not telling you for your fantasy league that you need to pick up Justice Hill. I think, you know, a lot of people might have already done that. Um, but I think in terms of like, who's going to really be the guy in this Ravens offense from the running back position, he's not a one for one replacement for Jackie Dobbins, but he's the best that the Ravens have right now. I'm curious to see what Keaton Mitchell does. Um, uh, when he comes back from the injury list, because I think he has some really interesting explosive ability as well. So he's someone to look out for, but you know, I, I thought he'll look good in this game. Um, he showed some 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 wiggle, some quickness. He was able to follow his blocks. Um, there wasn't a lot to watch. He didn't have that many carries, but I'm 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 going to expect him to be kind of the the starter coming out um, in week two. That'll be an expectation. Well, it certainly seems like the Ravens had some expectation that they wanted Hill to be a guy that they were using. So I, I think from that perspective, um, saying that he's going to be the next guy up is someone to look at. I mean. Let's not 
get carried away. He had eight carries for nine yards. I know two of them were for touchdowns, but this is not fantasy football. Uh, both of them, he was hit before he went into the end zone. So maybe he would have had eight carries for 15 yards instead of eight carries for nine yards. Um, but that's, that's not a great average in my book. Um, I think the Ravens look committed to wanting to use him. I think they'll continue to use him in that third down opportunity. This is, I think the boon of opportunities is going to come to Gus Edwards. And I thought Edwards looked good, but justice Hill's your boy. Uh, and he's not mine. And so I think, you know, the jury's out on this one. We'll see which guy steps up and ends up being running back one. Um, and we'll also see how good, you know, how good the Texans defense was, was it scheme? Was it, it was it the offensive line for the Ravens that were holding them back. There were certainly a number of, six man front looks between Hill and Dobbins that were not converted by the Ravens um, in any meaningful way. The only one that the long run from Gus Edwards of 13 yards was probably the one um, kind of light box look that the Ravens were able to take firm advantage of overall for a big game. Um, so very interested to see how this plays out. I'd love to see justice Hill become the next fantasy football uh star overall but I, I think the jury remains out for a guy that had eight carries for nine yards heading into uh heading into week two yeah i'm on paper you know the Bengals have a better uh run defense i think than the texans um they have some good players up the middle um but the browns were able to put 200 yards rushing up on them so i i know that game was out of hand as well um but i i think you know the ravens historically have been able to run the ball pretty well against the Bengals. obviously uh, Greg Roman offense is a lot different than the offense that we're seeing right now. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, but I, I think that the Ravens will have some opportunities to to run the ball maybe a little bit better than what they did against Houston in week one. Um, so we'll see who it is. I think I, I like Justice Hill moving forward. I think he's earned his the ability to kind of like have that role in the offense. I know Edwards has always been someone who's been an important part of the offense. I think that's going to maintain there you know he's going to probably get 10 12 carries a game i would just expect justice hill to get about the same amount of carries and maybe a little bit more work in the passing game and just be maybe winning the snap count 60 to 40 that would that'll be my expectation um so we'll see you know week two will be telling um because I, I don't i don't know if melvin gordon is going to have a major impact he's probably just going to be um he might even be a game day inactive they probably want a third guy up so he's probably going to be active but i i think he's going to get a very limited amount of work he, he does not impress me at all in the preseason and he's definitely a player that's on the downside of his career i've got no interest in seeing, seeing melvin gordon take any meaningful snap for the Ravens this upcoming week so if that means that i gotta swallow the pill and it's all justice hill then um so be it so um those are our hot takes those are we're gonna try and break them down hopefully we'll we'll add in a few hot takes from some other folks some some other guests as we continue out through the season uh, but we wanted to add a new segment this year too and we're gonna call it our secret star um and you know i think we all know it's easy to look at it and it's easy to go back to this game and say hey uh Adafi Owe and say flowers were and Roquan smith were the best three players on the field uh for the ravens there, there's no doubt that those three guys were the you know the best three or you know maybe you want to mix somebody else in there but those are the guys that perform the best but um gabe who's your secret star for this game somebody that's a little bit under the radar uh, that people wouldn't be thinking about yeah so the player that I identify in this game um, is Ardarius Washington. Um, he, you know, he's someone who's been a bit of a darling amid some Ravens fans the past couple of years since they got him as a priority free agent. Um, you know, he's looked really good in the preseason, but still hasn't been able to quite, you know, get onto the field for regular playing time in the regular season. You know, he's had a couple of injuries that have held him back as well. But, um, you know, I think this this year he really took the reins in training camp and preseason and showed that he's that player. Um, that can fill what I think was a, one of the major question marks on the Ravens defense heading into the season, you know, with Kyle Hamilton shifting from like, kind of like that slot cornerback role to more of like a traditional safety role. Um, that slot cornerback position was up for grabs and, and there was no clear indicator of who was going to take it. Um, I think our Darius Washington is that guy. Um, he showed up all over the defensive film. You know, he was playing under control, keeping his eyes where they needed to be. He didn't get beat in coverage. Um, he had a couple of nice pass defense. He had a really nice quarterback pressure, and they had an amazing quarterback sack where he just leveled C.J. Stroud on a play. And this guy is, what, 175 pounds dripping wet, and he just ha hammered the quarterback. 
it was really impressive for to see him, you know, take out um, a quarterback like that. Um, he, he's just a guy who, who just seems to always know where to be um, right decision maker. He's a solid tackler, even for someone who's on the smaller side. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do the rest of the season. I think this is his role until, you know, it's taken away from him or for some reason, you know, he starts playing really poorly, which I don't expect to see. Um, and, and I'm excited for him. I think he's, he's earned it. He's been on the practice squad a lot over the past two years. So seeing him like put into this, this role in week one, I'm excited for him. Yeah. You know, it, the, and the Ravens will need it and he's going to get tested. You know, obviously the Bengals with three receivers that all can contribute to the game overall. Um, they, they, the Bengals love to attack the Ravens inside the slot and make throws into those spots. So, um, especially without Marcus Williams. Also, if especially if Marlon Humphrey isn't ready to come back, um, I think our Darius Washington is going to get some heavy looks at, at what the Bengals are going to try and do to attack him this week. And, and he's got to come ready. Um, my secret star is a guy that is a big name, but as a bit maligned, I'd say that's Patrick Queen. Um, Patrick Queen, since Roquan Smith came out of this team, has really come into his own. Uh, consistently and regularly played um, well. And I think we started to see a glimpse of him starting to understand and get what Mike McDonald wants to do in this defense in this game. There were a few different times where he carried receivers deep into the areas and then came back to other receivers that were they that were coming into his zone to cover them. It seemed that he played under control, that he had good awareness. Um, you add in his ability to rush the passer um, and be a threat all along the line of scrimmage. The Ravens could have a really menacing inside linebacker duo this year. Patrick Queen takes kind of like that third year or fourth year. It's a fourth year now. Um, That fourth year step, um, you know, up that kind of same trajectory at LSU for him, where it took him a while to get his legs under him and to really understand it. But if it starts to click for him, what you can effectively do with a guy like Kyle Hamilton, Roquan Smith, and Patrick Queen playing together collectively in that intermediary space and area um, and doing so kind of in conjunction with each other, it's going to make this defense a, a really menacing group and one that, that I think a lot of teams are going to have a hard time handling. And so I'm excited to see Queen have a good year. Obviously, you know, you want him to put himself in the best position for what he's going to be able to do in his career to make the most money that he can. I think it's unlikely without a without him taking a huge pay cut that he stays with the Ravens this upcoming year. And so I want him to play well and I want him to go get a lot of money, um, but I'd much rather see that than him have a bad year and, and only be back because the Ravens are the only team that wanted him. And, and this was a great start for him to this year. Yeah. Yeah. Patrick queen had a phenomenal game. Um, I'd love to see that growth or development out of him. Um, if you want to go back and listen to some of the podcasts we've done over the past three years, I've complained quite a bit about Patrick Queen. Um, he, he had his serious issues, his lumps in the first two years in particular. Um, I think last year, like you said, once Roquan was added to the team, he really kind of blossomed into that role playing next to Roquan. Um, that's, that's probably where he should have been playing the entire time. Um, and to a certain extent, he did when, when you know, when um, Josh Bynes was, was brought in to kind of play man the the middle linebacker and i think that helped him out as well you know allowing him to play a more natural role where he can kind of flow to the ball um instead of maybe doing as much diagnosing um but i think the area that you touched on was that that he's i think that seen the most improvement out of him is in his past coverage um that was something where he was a a major negative for the team for quite a while and, and he really showed some things um, in the second half of last year and, and it's continued on in this year, just his awareness of things going on around him, his understanding of, of how to get into depth in his drops, to, to, like you said, to carry a player up the seam, to be able to come off that player as he understands like the routes that are going on around him. It really is a next level ability that he's showing. Um, and, and like you, you know, I'm, I'm a little disappointed that we haven't gotten this full Patrick Queen experience until, until his final, probably his last year, um, with the Ravens, um, because it's it's really difficult to kind of pay two off the ball linebackers uh, premium contracts. But I think he's going to earn that contract that he's going to get from another team. Um, and I wish him all all the, all the best moving forward, and hope that he has just a fantastic year this fourth year in Baltimore, because he and 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 Roquan next to each other are really a great tandem. I think probably if not the best linebacker group in the NFL, probably the number two group, uh, maybe behind the San Francisco. Niners, but it's really a, quite the tandem they have there, and um, it, it's great to see them both get off to a great start to the season.
So um, I think that pretty much wraps up, you know, our coverage for the for the first week. We want to briefly look ahead to week uh, week two and kind of go over our expectations for the Bengals. Um, I, I don't think there's a lot to really talk about. I mean, obviously the injuries are something that are going to have to be monitored. It's unlikely that that any of these guys that went down in week one are probably going to play next week. Uh, we might get Mark Andrews back. I, I saw that there's a chance that Humphrey might be able to play this week as well. I'm not holding my breath for either of those. I, th- I think Andrews is probably more likely. Um, so how about this? What What do you think, if, if Mark Andrews is on the field, how does that change the dynamic of the offense? And, and what do you expect to see um, in terms of maybe a little bit more of a, of a focus to try to, to utilize the middle of the field and get Andrews more involved? Well, Mark Andrews is a complete difference maker for Lamar. There are certainly times, I think I mentioned it earlier in this game or in this podcast, that Lamar – probably converts a few different plays that didn't get converted. If Mark Andrews is just on the field, uh, trust him. Look at their quicker throws. They're easier reads. They're directly in front of him. Um, he wasn't getting those. He's got to learn to be able to make some of those adjustments, but Mark Andrews is Mark Andrews is really good. <laughs> it's, it's kind of that plain and simple. Uh, he can play in that intermediary depth area um, and be a fulcrum for the entire way that Todd Munkin wants to make this offense go. So, um, I think having Mark Andrews come back is important, but at the end of the day, I I think this is a Lamar Jackson week, you know, especially with some of these injuries, especially with Humphrey out. I think that there's an opportunity that, that unless Cincinnati continues to be really rusty, that they're going to put some points up on the board and Lamar is going to have to respond in kind. I think they're going to need 26 or 27 to win this game. Um, unless it's a super stinker in terms of, of being low scoring and, um, it's going to have to be Lamar. And we've seen him do it, and we've seen him break off some big runs against Cincinnati in particular. I think they play, they've played historically a little bit differently than some other teams have been against the Ravens. It'll be interesting to see how much they spy and try and track Lamar um, and to see how much the Ravens might try and make an adjustment to attack some of those things if they see them on the field. But at the end of the day, it goes back to what I said earlier. Todd Munkin's starting to get his sea legs under him. He's starting to see how teams actually want to approach Lamar live in games, how they're adjusting to that, how they're attacking his routes and his, his tendencies. Um, it's time to start playing chess. It happens immediately in these, you know, in these leagues um, in the NFL, and um, it's go time for Todd Munkin. This is a big week. Um, the Ravens could bury Cincinnati in the AFC North standings. They could steal a game on the road in Cincinnati. Um, this is a game that they should have won in the playoffs without Lamar last year. And you've got to believe that the Ravens have got some kind of revenge itch in them going back to Cincinnati to want to win this game. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I, th- I think that, you know, the Ravens were asked about that ending of the 2022 season today and in, in some of the, in like the media um, conversations and, and there's definitely a, a, a bad feeling, you know, in their stomach, there's, there's a little bit of that, you know, we want to get back at them. We thought we were the better team. We should have won that game. And, you know, now's our chance to kind of prove ourselves. Um, so I, I think that's definitely going to loom in this game. Um, I agree that Lamar is going to be the kind of difference maker. You know, he obviously wasn't out there last year. Um, in that playoff game. And I think that kind of sat with him a little bit uncomfortable as well. He wanted to be out there and, but unfortunately, you know, injuries are what they are. Um, so I think this could be a, a really big game for him. Um, just in terms of some of the matchups that I'm, I'm going to be watching, I think, you know, a big one is, is how do the Ravens corners um, handle Chase and Higgins? Um, you know, those are two really good wide receivers, potentially the best wide receiver duo in the league. Um, they were very limited in week one. Um, that could have been due to a variety of issues. Uh, I think weather wasn't great. Um, and they're probably going to be looking to come out and have a big week two at home in front of the home crowd, um, a team that has a lot of expectations. You know, the, the, the Bengals have Super Bowl expectations this year. The Ravens go in there and smack them in the face um, and say, you know, we are still a team to reckon with in the AFC North and the AFC in general. You know, this is, this is a, a game, I think, that um, – there's a lot of, of early kind of implications, like you mentioned. You know, if, if the Ravens can go in there and get a win, it, it's going to make it much, much harder for the Bengals to win, that, win the division and even potentially become a wildcard team. So the Ravens, if they can go in there and, and get this victory, you know, behind a Lamar Jackson, you know, led, led offense, new offensive scheme, Todd Munkin, um, if that defense looks as good as it did in week one, I, th- I think, 
you know, there are some vulnerabilities that the Bengals showed. Um, they showed some some weaknesses up front along their offensive line. Um, Orlando Brown had a miserable game against, against Miles Garrett. I, th- I think, you know, Owe and, and Clowney can kind of give some some similar looks. Um, they're not quite the dominant player that Garrett is, but, you know, this Ravens defense is no joke. Um, so, so I'm excited to see what the pressure looks like um, and how they can handle Burrow. Um, and just one thing, other thing, Mike McDonald, he's done a great job against Burrow since he's become a defensive coordinator. He has a great game plan for playing them. Um, one thing I didn't mention earlier on, there was no over-the-top against the Texans. They didn't even take a shot downfield. Um, if it, the only thing they had further than 20 yards was throwaways. Um, if you take that away from the Bengals as well and force them to kind of try to dink and dunk down the field, they don't have a great running game. Um, I think the Ravens can really kind of um, kind of dictate the, the way this game is played. And I think that's going to play to their advantage. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, this is a matchup that even with some of these injuries is winnable for Baltimore. You've got, you know, you'd like to see Humphrey on the field and you'd like yep. to see Andrews. If they're both ready to go, I feel a lot more comfortable. I'm also okay with let, letting Humphrey get healthy. I mean, they've got two more AFC North games on the road coming up in weeks four and week five. Um, so don't mess with that and get healthy for those games. But um, they should be right in this. We saw it in the playoffs last year without Lamar. If they can go in that in in that environment without Lamar and almost win that game, um, they have a very they, they should be right in this game unless something really really drastic happens. So um, we're super excited to be back here with you guys. Um, I'm Jordan Coe at Ravens Hit Room. He's Gabe Ferguson at Gabe Ferg. You guys can check us out on Twitter. Um, we'd love to talk to you there. Shoot us some of your hot takes during the game. Get us warmed up. We'd love to interact with you. We want to make this a little bit more fun and exciting. There's a ton of great analysis that are out there, but we're all fans when it comes down to it. So um, let's talk about our emotions. Let's let's enjoy that part of the game. Um, like I said, we, we're a part of a watch party group out here in Los Angeles. We're going to be trying to go to those games as much as we can. Um, when we're here in the area. So come come find us, the West Wing LA. Um, if you're there, come find us there. Uh, we'd love to see you. And um, so we'll be we'll be looking for your hot takes next time um, to add them to our list. And uh, we'll see you next time in the Situation Room. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.